Hey, 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 this is Speaking From Experience. This is your girl, Shannon. I'll be your host for these next couple episodes. Um, hopefully, you all were able to get the introduction from the other day. And uh, hopefully it piqued your interest. So you come back for more, more episodes on Tuesdays. Um, name of this episode is going to be Red Flags. And I start off with this episode because... A lot of people dodge red flags. And I don't know why that is as a people we do that. We, we look for people's potential. We look for people what they say more than what they do. And so I want to I wanna give you my accounts of how many red flags popped up in maybe 10, 15 years ago. There were so many red flags, it was ridiculous. It was like... Now that I look back on it, when I when I was in it, you know, it was almost like I was in Six Flags. You know what I'm saying? We roller coaster ride, we see all these flags, and it's like, yay! You know, I'm at the uh, at the amusement park or whatever. But you know, nothing was funny about this, so I didn't see any amusement in it. Obviously, I wasn't at the amusement park, huh? But anyway, so I'm gonna go back 10, 15 years. Right now, I'm 31. Um, uh, I grew up in St. Louis, went to the V that stands for Vashon. Um, and I was, you know, 15, 16, loving life. You know what I'm saying? I was in a band, um, played the saxophone and multiple other different instruments, but that was my first, uh, at the time I was an apprentice for a place called St. Louis Artworks and I was an artist there or whatever so I had been an artist there for, since I was like 14 so I had always had money I tried to have money you know uh, when needed or whatever but a um, little background on me and my life up until 15 you know I think like every young person they always start off in church and that's my foundation in life is church so had that foundation and spiritually uh at this point I was spiritually grounded um in the church and that was my main focus at the time um not saying that I was a goody two shoes or anything like that but uh that's that's what my parents you know taught me um, I always wore skirts, so, uh, that was, I was known for that, and I was cool with that, you know, because it, it set me apart from a lot of people of the world, and so much apart, right, I got a, um, recruiter from UAPB band come to the school and was like, we need the girl in the skirt, you know what I'm saying, I thought that was so cool, every time I recall that, when I got back to the school and they told me that, I was like, oh, man, that is so cool, you know. So the skirts didn't phase me. It was it was just a part of my lifestyle at that point, you know. But uh, I want to start with church camp. And I know a lot of people know about church camp, you know. And you know, everything that happens at church camp, you get the word, you see your friends, you see your family, and then supposedly... I didn't know the rules because my first time going to church camp was 13. 
we all we always had the opportunity to go since we were six but my first time was 13 my second time was 16 and so that was 2006 and uh, went to church camp and you know like I said we got the word we got to play with our friends see our family members that was out of town and then all of a sudden you were supposed to find the love of your life at church camp you know what I'm saying that was the whole uh the running joke I guess you know what I'm saying but it was funny because literally how people thought it was supposed to go it happened for me like that you know I literally found the love of my life at church camp and I thought that was pretty cool you know first time I met him was uh I think I was about eight or nine years old maybe ten and I saw him at one of our sister churches and he was opening the door for me and my dad and I was just like I'm gonna marry him one day oh my god like oh my god he's so cute I'm gonna marry him one day boom see each other at church camp now I'm like 16 he like 18 19 years old fine tall dark and handsome basically what everybody wanted right and he was very respectable and in my mind I'm like he at church camp that means he you know he doing a thing when it come to church you know and um doing and listening to the same thing I'm listening to equally yoked how about that who who could get better than that you know what I'm saying so I had a friend of mine we were like we still are we're like brothers and sisters and he came up to me one day he was like Oh man, who you uh who you like at church camp? And I was like, I ain't here for that, you know what I'm saying? And I wasn't, you know. But uh I eventually told him I was like the young man behind you. And so he was like, Really? I know that young man. I'm finna talk to him for you. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So he comes back the next day and he was like, Yeah, I'll talk to him. He said he had a girlfriend already that lived in the city, but um, you know, she ain't a part of the church, so she ain't coming with. So I'm, I'm going to try to hook y'all up or whatever. So one thing led to another. And he called himself hooking us up. And we spoke to each other. And that day forward, we were pretty cool. We exchanged numbers. And we we just kept on talking or whatever. All the way up until like 2007. 2007 for some reason. Literally, when I say we literally talked every day. And that was the time when you had to pay for minutes you hear me and we talked every day I found a phone every day even at school to talk to this man and um it was just weird how everything happened until one day he decided that we were gonna miss a call and I'm thinking man what's going on so I call at this time now I know I was getting hung up on but um, I would call, go straight to voicemail every time. And that was for a whole year. I don't even know if my parents know that I tried to call this man every year, 2007. I mean, every day of 2007. And there was no answer or whatever. So going back to church, 2008-ish or whatnot, we have something what they implemented in the summertime was the church seminar. And so we, I go to the church seminar and I'm like, oh man, now it's in his neck of the woods, right? Um, 
and I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna see him, and I'm be like, hey, you know, in my little bitty mind or whatever, I'm 17, 16, 17, 18 years old, in my mind, still a kid, I was just like, he gonna tell me, oh, you know what? My phone died. It's been dead for a whole year, you know, or or I ain't have no minutes. So I couldn't call you like I wanted to, but you know, you was on my mind every single day. You know what I'm saying? I was thinking it was going to be like one of those romantic stories and we hop back into it like nothing ever happened or whatever. So I see the guy almost every day. Mind you, the seminar lasted for three days, two to three days, depending on when you got there. And I saw him every single day and I'm trying to stop him. I'm waving him down. I'm like, hey. It's me you're looking for. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, and he keep on walking. I'm like, okay, that's weird, whatever. So I ain't think nothing of it. So mind you, a lot of his family live in St. Louis, and we took a van this year, right? So I'm in the back of the van, and I see him walk across the street to the van to say bye to people in the front of the van. And I'm like, hey, it's me you're looking for in the back of the van, right? And so he sees me or whatever, and I still got his number, and I'm like, okay, this is going to add another day to the year that I try one more time, and I text him, and I said, hey, you know, I'm still here. You haven't talked, I haven't talked to you. I've seen you. He was like, yeah, I saw you too. Just want to let you know. Let me stop right there, right? That means your phone work if you responded back. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out. Anyway, but he was like, yeah, I saw you for the last two days. Just want to let you know I'm back with my girlfriend. Um, And please stop texting, stop calling. God bless. Boom. And I'm reading them words and I'm like, God bless. Are you serious right now? No explanation of why you ain't called me. No explanation of why you ain't text me. Obviously, your phone still works. So what's the deal? You know, that's running through my head. So now I'm mad going back to St. Louis, right? Mad, mad. And I'm like, okay. And it was so hard for me not to text. Because I'm like, you really going to do me like that through a text message, though? You know, whatever. So I go about life. Um, ended the internship with uh, Artworks or whatnot. And then I ended up going to Brinks for the summer of 2008. And I was a teller there for like three months till I started school at Harris Stowe. And while I was at Harris Stowe, I ended up becoming a fitness trainer, which was cool because I always liked fitness. Everybody always thought I was a basketball player or a track star or something like that. But like I told my sister and my niece the other day, right? I was like, backstory on track, you know, that was my goal but when I started running I was just like you know what this ain't for me you know what I'm saying my legs got tired I literally ran like from one door to the next and I I faked the fall and I was like you know what this this is not for me you know so (laughs) um so yeah so I ended up being a uh, fitness trainer at the YMCA for uh elementary school up to high school students and I was teaching them about fitness along with education on how to eat and stuff like that so 2009 hits we're in 2009 I'm 19 years old and I'm just living and loving life at this point you know everything was fine I kind of got over him you know 
boom, why I say I get over him? One of our pastors passed away. We go to another sister church, and I see him there, and I'm looking like, man, I should go off. But I'm like, nah, part of the past, you live and you learn, and boom, we're fine, right? So we get back home. One of his cousins sees me at church that Sunday. And he was like, man, I talked to my cousin. He want me to give you his number. Um, mind you, it's been a whole nother year that I haven't talked to him. So I'm looking like, what he want me to get his number for? You know what I'm saying? He can call me. My number ain't changed. So he was like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, give him, give him a time to talk and tell his piece because, you know, um, he really wants to make this work. And so I was like, okay, I'll call him, whatever. So I get to work Monday, and I call, and he says, uh, I'm going to call you right back, and hangs right up. So I'm like, weird, but whatever. So I get an email on my phone. Mind you, I can't really check it. It was one of them old phones. And I check it at the work at my job. I open the email up. It's in cursive. My favorite color is purple. He put them in, put the words in purple lettering. And long story short, basically, and for some reason these words stand out to me, it was a long two-page letter explaining what happened and that he was sorry and that his girlfriend basically uh, did him wrong and she was messing around with his other friends. Um, but she would come to his apartment after she was done messing around with them and he knew this and he was just like, oh man, um, I'm just reaping what I sowed with you because you were a good girl and, you know, I, I apologize. And he was very apologetic. I think that's the only reason why I even decided to talk back with him again because he was so apologetic and I was like, okay, cool, you know. And uh, I just decided that we were going to talk again. This time, I did ask crucial questions, and I was just like, are you still talking to her? Since we were so far apart, this would have been a long, ridiculous relationship because he was in Chicago. So I was like, you still talking to her? Um, and he was like, no, that's over with and done. Um, I don't like her like that no more. We're not on the same page anymore. And this, 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 and that. And so I'm like, okay, cool. And then I was like, oh, how do you feel about church? You're going to uplift the values of church and um, stay in church? And are you e are you easily persuaded? Because that's what my mind was. It was like, if my foundation is church, my husband's foundation needs to be church. You know what I'm saying? So we're equally yoked. And if we bring in children, then they're equally yoked with us. And we don't have any real bad problems. You know what I'm saying? So he was saying yes. And all the questions that I had for him, he was tackling like it wasn't nothing. So I'm like, okay, that that kind of uh, piqued my interest in him again because I'm thinking, okay, we were young back then. Let's try it again. So we tried again and whatnot. And we always talked about marriage and he always said that he was going to marry me one day and this, this, and that. And he was talking to his pastor about me and, you know, he was just saying, uh, you know, how he loved me like that and that, that was the end that was the goal for us you know that was one of our goals for us well 2010 2011 life hits and unfortunately I end up pregnant baby did not last 
it did it passed away in June June 15 2011 and uh, in my mind I'm looking at things from a spiritual aspect and you know when death occurs they always say new life comes and so in my mind sometimes when death occurs I felt like that gave us a new start and I told him right then and there I was like we don't have to get married uh we made a a huge hiccup or whatnot but this is your way out if you want to go you know and I'll I'll be cool with that because we have no ties at this point because you know growing up in church the ultimate solution to that was to get married you know but he comes back with smooth talker I tell you I tell you oh my gosh you know even to this day smooth talker you know um but he was like no I want to marry you with the straightest face I want to marry you this was my plan this was our goal or whatnot and so uh I took him for his word for it you know and November 11th or November 12th was the day that we were gonna get married and I was like oh yeah you know and since I'm an artist and a creator of some sorts I did everything from the for the wedding I made my own wedding dress I made our wedding cake I made the centerpieces literally only thing that man had to pay for was his tux and the venue Everything else, food was brought to us. That was the help of our family. Thank, thank you all, or whatever, and this, this, and that. So conversations leading up to the wedding, right? We're getting everything squared away, and then, you know, that was gonna be the happiest day of my life. So I wanted to uh, spend it with as few people that I knew it was on our side as possible, you know. So we didn't have a large wedding. It was about 80 people there, including ourselves or whatnot. But the happiest day of my life, in the beginning, I should have caught the red flags. This man asked me if his ex-girlfriend could come to our wedding. And you know how shocked and surprised I was thinking? I was just like, no, you didn't ask me if your ex-girlfriend could come to the wedding. And so I was like, can I bring my exes to the wedding? And so nonchalantly, he was like, yeah, that's cool with me. I mean, I'm marrying you. And I'm looking at this dude like, so how's she going to get back home? You know what I'm saying? Because I was going to move up to Chicago. So I'm looking like, how's she going to get back home? How, first of all, how's she going to get down here? You telling me she's going to drive all the way down here to a wedding that ain't even hers for a guy that she used to like? And so how's she getting back home? Because she ain't ride with us. And he just looked at me like, or not looked at me because we're talking on the phone at this point. And I could just see his facial expression like, really? And he was like, like I said, she's coming to my wedding regardless if you like it or not. Hmm. Okay. Fast forward to November 12, 2011. She didn't come. We had a nice time. Whatever. It was so many red flags in the beginning of this story. I just, my advice to you all tonight is to not ignore the red flags because when you start to ignore red flags, 
one you start to dwell on those red flags and it's like shoulda woulda shoulda woulda coulda in the long run because you start to ignore them now and then all of a sudden you get an awakening later and it's like oh man I didn't wasted those years you know we all learned something but um one of those those red flags or whatever were very obvious and I, I I can only blame it on my naiveness my childhood you know the how old I was at the time that was my true first true relationship and I wanted to make it work you know what I'm saying because I'm thinking okay if somebody has this much interest in me he's gonna put forth the effort you know there won't be anybody else and I'm, I'm looking at my mom and dad relationship right now they've been married 47 years and so I'm like, okay, I could do that. And I could do that with him because I see examples in front of me, you know. And if he has good examples, which he did, he had people on the block taking care of him. Um, he had people that was the same age as my mom and dad that my mom and dad grew up with that had the same amount of years under their belt. So I know, you know, there's somebody teaching him something. You know, so that's what I went off on. So I didn't say no to the wedding. On top of that, I didn't even get proposed to y'all. We going down. We went to uh, we went to Red Lobster, and I'm thinking this man gonna get on one knee and be like, you know, you're the love of my life, and I want to be with you and only you, and you know, I just can't wait to spend the rest of my life with you. And I say. You know, oh my God, I'm gonna get a ring. And everybody in the room claps and we get extra, extra, you know, uh, cheddar biscuits at the table and little extra salad. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. Boom. Nah, didn't even happen like that. We driving down the highway on Highway 40, going back to my mom and dad's house. And this man pulls out a ring and throws it in my lap. And I was just looking at the box like, are you serious? One, I'm driving. Next to the, in the left lane, next to the uh, median wall, I could have swerved and we could have been dead, you know? And I opened up the box and I was like, oh, thanks. He was like, yeah, you don't sound too enthused. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, you just threw this ring at me on the highway, in the car, you could have at least got on one knee in the passenger seat and at least gave it to me in a decent way and have a little kind of backstory to say, you know, I love you and why I wouldn't marry you. And it didn't happen that way. So that's going through my head. Two, I just didn't picture being proposed to like that. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, ah, oh, man, this is crazy. This is what life is like, huh? You know, but anyway... I should have said no then, but, you know, my naive self kept on going. We ended up getting married in November. Still one of the happiest days of my life, you know, because I was just, I was just in heaven, I guess, you know. But anyway, I'm going to stop there only because those were the first sets of red flags that I should have. I wish somebody kind of really took those red flags and really, really, really waved them in my face 
you know, because I think I would have caught it then. There were some people that, um, that, uh, tried to put their input in and you, you try to decipher who's in your corner and who's not. And that's what I was trying to decipher. I was trying to decipher the people that were really hating on us, you know, not saying that we were really popular or anything, but you know, you got people, you could be doing the best of the best and they still hate and they still finding something. You can get your master, your doctorate, you can own your own business. You can have your own house, your own car, ain't got to ask nobody for nothing. And they still standing outside your house, looking at the house like, mm, I would have got something a little smaller or I wouldn't have ever got that job or, um, why are you going back to school to get your doctorate? You know that's a waste of money. You still got somebody that's that's not for you. But then I had so many equal others that were saying, man, this a good dude, this a good girl. They gonna make this work. You know, even my pastor, he called it a course correction. The most simplest words, but it made so much sense. You know, and, um, that's the I thought the course correction meant that we were on the road to success when it came about life you know but there were so many red flags you could just count them on one hand you do that listen to this again and count all the red flags that I missed lord have mercy but uh yeah I'm gonna stop right here and um hopefully y'all enjoyed this part of the story there are absolutely more to come and uh yeah just giving you a peek about life about my life you know just needed a therapeutic way to say it and um be discreet with it and also give some people some life lessons along the way so join me on the next episode and uh we'll start from there and where we finished off from here you know I hope you guys have a good day every Tuesday, 2 o'clock. You know what? I'm not even going to put a time on it because if I do that with the kids or with the job, I'm not going to make it. So just find me on Tuesday and it, it will be up before the day is over with. So yeah, like, share, comment, subscribe. I'm on Spotify. And any other uh, podcast platform. And uh, I'll talk to you next time, guys. You guys have a blessed day. Love you all.